It's almost that time of the year again. The Premier League is about ready to return. A little earlier than usual, thanks to the World Cup breaking up the season halfway through this time out. But, as always, as is now traditional, I thought we'd get together and with a full house this time. All four of us are here for the first time in quite a while. We're going to look over the Premier League upcoming and share what we think is going to happen. So, Maz, Joe and Neil, all here, as I say. Uh, what I've done is kind of put together an average of all the predictions that I've been able to find out there for the various people are making about where each of the clubs are going to follow. So we'll go through that in order if that suits you all. One place to start, I guess it's not really going to be a surprise, with almost as low a score as it's possible to achieve. Almost everybody is predicting that Manchester City are going to go back to back. No great surprise, I'm sure. Is there any hope that we can give the rest of the league that City aren't going to run away with it? As always, hope it's football. It's a funny old game, isn't it? But I think where we are right now in football, it's going to be a big ask of anyone to catch up with them. You know, they're champions. They have that squad depth, which no one has even close to in the Premier League. They have that quality and they've they've added arguably the most exciting young striker in the game to their team, who is already extraordinarily prolific. So put him in front of De Bruyne and uh, and co and you you fear for some of the scores we're going to see this year if if he hits the ground running i don't think they're running away with anything i think they'll be good and i think you know they're probably justifiably favorites i don't think they're running away with it though firstly i don't think liverpool will let them run away with it and secondly arsenal spurs are significantly stronger than they were um so you know, there's going to be a lot of the big six, I think, beating each other up going on this season. And then it comes down to your results against the other 14 clubs and where City always win the title is they don't mess up against the other 14 clubs. So, you know, City can quite often lose showdown games against their rivals, but they don't mess up against them. The also runs, if you like. So, um, so yeah, I think justifiably favourites, but I think, you know, they're betting in. Betting in Haaland, betting, uh, betting in Alvarez. You know, they've lost players that are very familiar with Pep's system. So some of that squad depth has gone. Zinchenko's gone. Jesus has gone. They've kind of got uh, a few a few sort of question marks in different backup positions. Like if Rodri's injured, who's playing there? They haven't managed to sign Cucurella from Brighton because they won't cough up the 50 million quid. So there's there's quite a lot of, uh, of of interesting things behind the scenes there. So though City are always going to be the favourites, I don't think they are runaway favourites or or will run away with the league. I don't think they've they're obviously strengthened over the summer, but they've lost, as Neil alluded to there, they've lost players or key players who who know that system very well. They've obviously made space for Grealish um, as a starter by moving on. Raheem Sterling, which I think that's a really interesting move. I, I think that really strengthens Chelsea. Calvin Phillips coming in to, uh, I think he, he will be the one who who lends that support to Rodrigo if Rodrigo is not fit. They, and obviously he's used to playing, particularly for England, in that sort of, where you might have a sort of a double defensive midfielder role. I don't think City will employ that too much, but or it might be that he he's allowed to sort of roam forwards. But I think saying that City will will run away with it does a massive disservice to Liverpool. And actually, Liverpool were were in better form than them from sort of December onwards. So I, I don't think it's as clear cut as just saying it's City's title to lose. Does anyone hold much truck with the idea that as good a player as he is, that Holland might actually end up disrupting the team more than he ends up helping them? We've seen it happen before, haven't we? I mean, we've, uh, we've seen plenty of players come across from from other leagues who have torn it up and and really struggled. I mean, if, I, I, I think his skill set suits the Premier League. Though. I think that's I, I'm assuming he's grown up in the country, for one. Yeah, you know, he, there's not going to be a cult. Yeah. There's not going to be a culture shock to him. You know, he, he's dad played for the club that he's at. He's the the physical side of the game certainly not gonna not gonna scare him is it as a physical specimen he's an absolute beast isn't he I mean the size of him the power the strength the pace it's just you look at someone like that it, it, it's in that Zlatan 
Ronaldo type mold where he just looks like an absolute specimen. So, you know, the physical side, you don't think is going to be any concern whatsoever, which sometimes is pace of the game, this, that and the other. I, you know, I, I can't see, you know, and, and a lot can happen. Like you say, there's systems, there's ways of playing. So that, that's always possible. But he just seems to have too much to his game, too many physical attributes to not really succeed anywhere, I wouldn't have thought. Guardiola is accustomed to playing with a nine. And although he's not played with a nine so much at City, obviously, like the dominance of Bayern with, with Lewandowski, you know, and, and Haaland is maybe doesn't have the all-round game that Lewandowski has but but you know he's he's employed that that number nine before so I don't think it disrupts their system I think you'll see I mean you, they'll set up it differently I think you'll see a lot more 4-2-3-1 from them I think Joe mentioned Phillips uh, they might actually play that double that double pivot with De Bruyne as a kind of free 10 um, behind Haaland's that that might be something that they do a little bit more of but yeah I mean he's injury prone I think that's the only concern with Haaland is Every season he was in the Bundesliga, he scored a ridiculous amount of goals, but he also missed missed a fair few games. But you know, I think everybody else's central striker is uh, is also injury prone in the Premier League, so it kind of averages itself out in the end. Never made more than twenty eight appearances, and you do wonder if City are going to try and press on on four fronts. How much he's going to have to be fit, especially as some of these players that have been going out the door uh, the other way that we've seen in preseason. I think well, how, the, how, how many players play every game for City? That's the not other many, true. Yeah. I think the last thing to say about it is that the frightening thing about City is that they're already very accustomed to not playing with a nine. So I don't think losing Haaland for a stretch would be as disruptive to Man City as it would be to another team who perhaps relies on that as part of their system. So... Uh, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting season and and tactically how they set up it might be they they tactically decide not to play him and play sort of the the, the false nine um, or sort of the the way they have for the for the last two years I'm I'm looking forward to it I think it'll be a be an interesting challenge for them I think Alvarez is is a really interesting player he, he can play as a nine but he also can play off off either flank or as a ten. So he gives them that enormous tactical flexibility. I mean, City could even play a 4-4-2 if they want to, you know, or any other variation of two up front. So um, I think Alvarez gives them options that they've not had in quite a long time. So if we move on then to the next team, it's predictable, but not entirely unanimous. There was there was some debate out there. Uh, but for the most part, most people have Liverpool as the side that are going to push them closest. There's obviously been some fairly high profile transfer dealings at Anfield as well across the summer. Is anyone going to say that they think it will be somebody other than Liverpool or do you think expecting that it will be those two pushing right the way to the wire again? I think so. I think there are teams that if certain things go their way, can get into it. But, you know, it, it's most likely to be Liverpool. You know, I think Liverpool will be there. Other teams might press City as well. But Liverpool will press C. I think that's how I would put it. I think yeah. the most interesting change they've made is Mane out and Darwin yeah. Nunes in. Yeah. Um. And I think Nunes is a. He seems to be quite a polarizing figure in the sense that there are some people who think you know he, he's 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 been very prolific in the Portuguese league, but technically there are things that he's very much lacking in and. I think Mane came to be recognised as, you know, probably the, the best player in Liverpool's team last year. So it's going to be very interesting to see him integrate Nunes into that squad. The other interesting one is is Calvin Ramsey, um, who's the Aberdeen right back. He comes very sort of highly rated, and it makes you wonder if they're they're looking at uh, moving Trent further up the field. I don't think so because um, I think they just bought him as a backup for Trent really, because this that guy plays exactly as Trent plays. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I, I, my, my feeling would be that they basically got um, Simicast, who's basically a Robertson clone, and now they've got Ramsey, who's basically a Trent clone. And so it, it, it's, I, I like what they've done because they've got that depth that means they can play in the same way. All of that front three can interchange, and, you know. So you know, Jota can play off the left or up, you know, or through the middle. Nunez can play through the middle or off the left. Firmino, you know, is comfortable midfield or uh, or up front 
Um, and obviously Salah has sometimes played through the middle or off the right. So you, you've got you've got all of those options there for Liverpool. Obviously, they've decided to wait a year for Bellingham, which I guess make which makes sense financially. But that midfield, I think, can creak at times. Aging, isn't it? Um, so I, I do think that's quite an interesting call to go for Nunes now as opposed to getting Bellingham now because it was kind of one or the other. Now, you know, Nunes, I think it looks a little bit of an overpay. But then again, when have Liverpool ever made a mistake in the last five years with a high profile transfer? Like they just they don't seem to miss um, because you could have questioned like taking taking Jota from Wolves and then he just went up a level. And it was like, actually, no, that was that was a really good buy. So I think with all all transfer fees of that kind of level, they either look very expensive or very cheap, depending on, you know, on, on what the immediate returns are. So, but yeah, I don't think there's any risk they bought Andy Carroll. I was just going to say, I think with Nunes, I think the fact is that you often find that if it's a player that doesn't have much of a reputation a, a year ago, spending that much money is, is is always going to be looked at as a big risk. So, you know, it's one of those where the price tag is there. The price tag says you're buying a a new star player. And that that's not going to be it. Salah's still the star. Jota is going to step up and take a bigger role, you'd think, now. He will be the one that will probably um, have more, even more on his shoulders now. Um, Mane's gone. And he, he, you know, as Neil was saying... He turned out to be an absolutely brilliant buy, and he's going to be even more key as time goes by. So, you know, I think Nunes isn't going to come in and suddenly be looked at as the star of this team. You know, he's going to bend in. How, how old is he? He's not. He's twenty. He's a youngster still, isn't he? Yeah, well, that's that's young. <laughs> I mean, what what counts as a youngster these days is always hard to tell <laughs> in football. You know, sometimes it's twenty-three is still a player that's maturing in a lot of ways. Also- I think there's slightly less pressure on him because of the way that Luis Diaz um, came in and, and played from January. And I think if, if Nunes doesn't quite hit the ground running, it's there's not as much pressure on it because they've already got, you know, in, in Hotter, Salah, Firmino um, and Diaz, they've got four established forwards. Yeah. Um, and if Nunes does come in and, and make a splash, then then it gets interesting, doesn't it? Yeah, I think he, he it's there for the taking for him. You know, I, I think if he sets that attack on fire, you know, he'll, he'll become a star. But if he doesn't, he'll be a bit part player for a little while. It's there. It's, it's only the price tag that's making all of these, um, that's put, putting any kind of pressure on. How much will they look at that price tag? Speaking of the price tag, it's worth adding that much like Manchester City, Liverpool's net spend is actually very low because they've made about £30 million back from uh, Sadio Mane. And then there's two or three other players who've left for £15-20 apiece. So yeah, it's what we're seeing. At this, this, a lot of these sides at the top, they're not really spending buckets when you factor in the outgoings as well. Yeah, you I mean, wonder... Football's strange these days, isn't it? You know, transfer fees, they sound insane, but, you know, compared to what you're paying for them over a course of five years, the transfer fee itself is almost a lot less important than the actual wage bill. So, But I, th- I think that the other thing is, I mean, you, you know, Liverpool, have, they generally do, if they if they do buy and they, they, make, they make a profit. So the amount they're paying for these players is kind of complete... You know, Goes without saying, it's completely offset by the fact that they're bringing in money. Money for they've got 25 million quid for Rian Brewster, and but the, but a lot of these these clubs around them they they have to be smart with the money because they don't have the you know the the cash rich rich backing of say City or or Chelsea, but that's the way it should be done, surely. Yeah, teams have got a lot more canny. They've hmm. got a lot more canny about selling players when they are two Some or three years have. out. Yeah, from from their contracts. I mean, City are, City are masters of FFP, really, like because they sell Zinchenko and Jesus while they still have value. And even though you're technically strengthening a rival, you're making back the money that you spent on Haaland basically straight away. So, yeah, it's 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 certainly I think football economics has moved on quite a lot from um, the days where someone would spend five million quid on a. And like an ageing player, like a Paul Merst or something. And then basically that's just money down the drain. Speaking of strengthening rivals, that brings us to the side that just about have finished third in the list that we've got here. 
it's far from unanimous because some people had them missing out on the Champions League entirely and others had them in second. So there's a bit of a mixture. Uh, but Chelsea have obviously just bought in Raheem Sterling, statistically one of the better players for Manchester City over the last couple of years, in analytics terms at least. Uh, but they've let him go. And this will be his third high-profile Premier League club. So snap reaction, good bit of business, or is this going to be another Lukaku and in 12 months we're saying, what on earth are they doing? It's oh, a good bit of business. business. It's an excellent yeah. bit of business if they can sort out centre-back, because right now they're they're in a spot of bother at centre-back, because they lo- they've lost two all of them. Basically. Basically all of them. So Rudiger's gone, Christensen's gone. And, and keep getting gazumped by a team with no money. Well, yeah, <laughs> this is pro- this is probably another pod, isn't it? <laughs> the, the the Barcelona thing, but obviously Koundé's, um decided to go to Barcelona. Well, we we think he's decided to go to Barcelona rather than Chelsea, um, and I think they put most of their eggs in in that basket. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with in the next couple of weeks to um, to, to shore up that defence because it looks thin. It's an interesting one. You know, Sterling's a good player. When when you consider the inconsistency of the forwards that they've they have, they've got some exciting talent that maybe not quite hitting their consistent levels. And I, I guess that is something that can be levelled at uh, Raheem at times. But I, I think you're going to get a lot more consistent output from from Sterling than you will Werner, Pulisic, and and others. Lukaku, as you mentioned. So, yeah, you know, I think there's experience there with Sterling. He's a winner, a fantastic player and and a top level player. So, yeah, that is in itself a good bit of business. But, you know, if they can replace some of those defenders, as Joe's saying, I I can understand why Chelsea are looked at as some people are saying as high as second, others are saying out of the Champions League spots. There was a lot of turmoil at the club last year and, you know, a lot, you know, not due to what's happening on the pitch, but with the amount of talk and everything going on around Abramovich last year, you know, it absolutely affected the team. And it would because, you know, it was right there and takeovers happen. We don't know what kind of board they're going to have now, do we? That's to be seen. Uh, are they going to have anywhere near the, the free-flowing level of money they had under Abramovich, probably not quite to that level. But are they still going to get big funding for players if they can actually sign them? So that that's all to come. We can see that. But yeah, you know, with the window they've had so far, it's certainly been, Sterling aside, a very quiet one. And they need to strengthen, but, you know, they, they also need stability. And I think it will be interesting to see if if that can be given. And I would have them third uh, at this point because I, I think they will get a certain level of stability. But I can see if, if if a bit more money comes their way and everything falls, they could definitely be up there challenging City and Liverpool. But if it don't fall right, I can certainly see them falling behind the London clubs and, and United. I think they're going to be really poor. I think they're going to be very, very poor. Um, I, I, I would I, I would be surprised if they I mean I wouldn't be surprised if happened finishing sixth, honestly. Um okay. because Kudibai is a really good signing, by the way, and and is 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 top top class. But I just think it's a really unbalanced squad. You've got a load of floaty number tens that don't really do anything. Sterling's a good Sterling is is a good player. I do wonder sometimes how much of his numbers are because he played in a city team where basically he he got 20 tap-ins a season on a plate. Do Chelsea play that way? Not sure. They don't have a striker. Tuchel does like to play with a false nine. Havertz is a lovely player. He could really, you know, Havertz could really go to the next level this season. Who knows? But I just I just don't see it with them. I've got to be honest. I just think the only reason why they were third fairly comfortably last season is because Spurs and Arsenal took so long to get their acts together uh, and as soon as they did they both looked like better sides so um, I would be really confident that Chelsea won't finish in the top four and depending on how Ten Hag's United go I, I, I don't even know if they'll finish fifth. This Chelsea team has got a knee-jerk World Cup signing in January in Britain. <laughs> That's the other thing is this Bowley guy just seems like an absolute clown like every single player that became available, 
Chelsea sort of let it know that they were interested. They had this that farcical moment where like Ronaldo says he didn't want to come back to United, and then uh, both Zanab said, "Oh well, come to Chelsea." And then Tuchel came up publicly said, "No, we don't want him." And then they kind of withdrew their interest. And it's just I can see circuses going on there as well. It could be one of those ones where the owner gets a bit too enthusiastic about about picking players. And if there's one thing I know about Tuchel, he doesn't have that, and he'd be uh, he'd be walking. One thing that we should add here is uh, just as uh, we kind of mentioned transfers and a moment ago talked about defenders at the time of recording, they're apparently on the verge of signing Leicester's Wesley Fofana to go in the heart of the defence there. So by the time this comes out, there may be a few of those questions answered about who's actually going to to go in there. And that's something we can probably include when we get down to where the people have placed Leicester if they lose one of their marquee players at the back. It's an interesting one. It could... I mean, everyone was taking Chelsea to do very, very well last season at the beginning when they just come out of the uh, win the Champions League and that you know, add in Lukaku. And then within a couple of months, it had all gone wrong. So we may get some answers fairly quickly as to whether this is going to be a season where they maybe start to close the gap on the top two or whether they're going to start to, to free fall. Uh, sixth is quite a bold prediction, Neil. As I say, no one's on anyone's ice had got them that low, but... You know, preseason has gone badly for them, hasn't it? And there's other teams doing better. So I mean, I, yeah, I just, I just think the other teams are better. Mm. <laughs> like, I just Chelsea under Tuchel, they have what they had one advantage, which was they were rock solid defensively, and the system he set them up with baits all of the other top sides into 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 his trap. I think they're quite one dimensional, and I, and I don't know, you know, Chilwell and James coming back will help them because they did look a bit out of ideas without those two without those two at wing back but um yeah I just think Arsenal and Spurs have just have both just come on so quickly I think they'll 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 zoom past Chelsea well speaking of which we might as well move this on and send it straight back to you because in fourth place they've averaged out as your team Tottenham essentially solidifying a top four place this season uh, that would seem to be the minimum that you have to be aiming for with Conte in charge and and so on wouldn't you think it's it's kind of all or nothing really I mean I'm surprised that it's as low as I mean I've, I've seen a lot of third and a lot of second actually banded about you can always look really stupid as a Spurs fan making um, any kind of bold predictions about the team but this is the best I've felt about a pre-season since 1995 probably <laughs> 1994 <laughs> you know like sorry like yeah, yeah 1994 yeah. when Clinton came in like that's that's it's you know that summer when Klinsman and Dimitrescu and uh Popescu all came in it's the best I've felt since then I feel really confident about it I feel really confident about third as a minimum and depending on how things go with Liverpool and injuries I could see second as well and I could even see a three-horse race at the top if things went really well I, I love everything that we've done. Perisic, absolutely top signing. Still got a lot in the tank. Jed Spence, uh, we needed a, a right, you know, a right-sided wing back that could uh, that could really play. Because goodness knows, Emerson Royale uh, can't. You know, Richarlison, uh, his cover across the whole of the front three means that you can rest Kane finally. Means you can rest Son finally. That's a really that's really positive. Basuma in midfield might even be the best of all the signings that, that have been made. So already just looks like a, a miles better squad. Even Fraser Forster, right, is is a much better backup keeper than, than what we had before. And what I've seen in preseason has been great. Okay, um, I loved how fit he's getting the players. Kane throwing up at the side of the pitch in Korea. Love to see that because under Pochettino, one of the things that made the team extremely competitive was the fact that they were the fittest team in the league it's you know it's really good to see them getting back to that that's kind of kind of level and Conte's a winner and he you know already took a bit of a motley bunch at the end of last season and, and got them to fourth and with those signings and obviously always with the caveat that Kane needs to stay fit I can see it being a really really good season and obviously Conte's a very volatile fellow but Essentially, they've given him everything he wants, and therefore you're probably safe for at least a year. Pete, um, can we clip all this for when Conte has his meltdown round about March? 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm clipping the three horse title race for when they're about 14th in, <laughs> in a few weeks' time. <laughs> it definitely. What that mean? I'm I well, I'm 100 confident we won't have to be 14th. Um, joking joking apart, I think yeah. I, I mean Spurs look like they they've done really good business in the last like well 12 months or so. I mean I mean since Santos was moved out, well since Nuno went, they they haven't really made a misstep yet. Gobi's had a, an excellent end to the season, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, they play they play good football, and and as Neil says, the, the signings they've made, all of them serve a purpose, all of them better the squad in some way. So they finished fourth last season. There's no reason why they couldn't they can't go on, particularly as you know, there's obvious question marks over Chelsea and Liverpool. You know, they might not find it quite as easy if 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 their new signings don't bed in that quickly. So. Yeah, they're an interesting one, Spurs. I'm guessing Maz doesn't want to join in on the Tottenham yeah, love in at the moment. I'll join in on Tottenham. I, you know, they've certainly they certainly strengthened the squad. I don't see them really pushing Liverpool and uh, and City. I, I think I, I think the three London clubs are just going to be fighting it out amongst themselves again, and a lot of that will depend on on how good Chelsea are, uh, as we talked about momentarily, whether they'll be at the head of that or the tail of that. But I think. I think it'll be another season of Arsenal and Spurs all the way battling for third or fourth. Generally, do um, uh, they? They may be in the title title hunt for a little bit, but I, I don't see it when push comes to shove. But a strong team strengthened uh, strengthened the depth of the squad for sure. And you know, Kane and Son are both machines up front. They're going to bring you goals and assists all, all, all year round. And if they can stay on form for long, long periods, then then that's that's fantastic. Um, when you look at the transfer window, I think you can certainly say, in terms of looking at the top end of the table this season, it's probably better for the league that Spurs did finish fourth uh, and Arsenal fifth in the end, because uh, you know Arsenal have done business, good business without the Champions League. You wonder if if Spurs would have managed quite such good business without the Champions, even or even held on to Kane for 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 another year if they hadn't. But there they are. You know, I think in terms of the league, it makes it a lot more competitive at the top end. So the gap between Tottenham and Chelsea on this is actually pretty small. So the people are not quite sure which one is going to come third and which fourth. There seems to be the the influence of that. Uh, there is a slightly bigger gap then to fifth, where we have a fairly convincing round for Arsenal. Some people do have them finishing in the top four, but most have them just kind of I think this is essentially repeating what happened last year, isn't it? Coming in fifth. Uh, some good business, though. So generally going in the right direction. Um, I find this a very, very positive window, although that is based on <clears throat> the shenanigans of last year. You know, we got rid of Aubameyang and didn't replace our top striker. And now our second top striker has gone as well. So I think signing Jesus is a fantastic piece of business, for sure. And I think the more important thing... In there, you know, he's a world-class striker. He's a Brazilian <laughs> international, uh, and he was he was playing a fair amount of games for City and scoring a lot of goals. I think what's key here, the difference between him and Aubameyang or him and Lacazette, is that he is definitely an Arteta guy. The situation with Aubameyang, whatever it was exactly, had got out of hand, and there's no doubt that Aubameyang was a fantastic striker, a fantastic goal scorer. You know, he was for us for a lot, for pretty much the whole of his career at Arsenal. But, you know, clearly something wasn't quite right there. He had a terrible season while he was playing last year and we got rid of him for nothing, shipped out to Barcelona where he started scoring goals again. So it, it was the right move in hindsight to let him go. You know, it's not as if we're talking about Guendouzi, who's a, a young player at, with the world at his feet. You know, Aubameyang's not got much left in him regardless so it's not a huge long-term loss for Arsenal there and it, it needed to be done the big problem last year and I think why we ultimately came unstuck in that race for fourth, fourth was that we you know we didn't replace him at the time and you know Lacazette was hardly scoring he, you know he was trying he was playing all right but he wasn't scoring and Eddie on his own is not quite there and Again, there were points. It, it was 
we were a bit Saka FC for a while at, at certain points and he was dragging us through. But, you know, the other young players were, were, were showing signs and I think that's that's a positive. And signing Jesus primarily, A, it's that goal scorer we, we lacked and needed when Aubameyang went and with Lacazette going. I, I think he's probably an upgrade when you consider age, where he's at in his career and everything like that. So, yes, I think that's a fantastic fantastic piece of business even though maybe it was one that should have happened six months earlier we've strengthened in other areas as well Zinchenko I'm interested in but again he's a player that's coming from a team that that that, that wins things he's you know like Jesus he's a serial winner as is Sterling at Chelsea so I think that's a big big positive uh, I'd be interested to see what the actual plan is for Zinchenko because you know he's obviously a little bit of a left back but prefers playing centrally for his his country. Oh, he plays centrally for his country, and that's clearly where he wants to play more than anything. So I I'm not sure where we're going to see him, but I can imagine that Arteta has probably at least promised him a shot playing through the middle. Which you know, if he's replacing Xhaka, then I'm all fucking for it. Of course, you know. So a good player, but it'll be interesting to see just quite how big he'll be for us and where, where he'll be playing for us. We've got Saliba potentially back, who, who's looked really, really good playing in France, maturing, getting to 20, uh, what is he, 21 now, 22. So again, but one of those players that uh, often had the rumours that Arteta wasn't a fan. So it'll be interesting to see if he if he does stick around where he'll where he'll be, how much of a shot he'll get, because Gabriel and White together looked uh, pretty much like it was his go-to for a long time last year, and they they were starting to develop quite a nice partnership there. So, yeah, you know, I think a lot of our season will be on how the youngsters perform, how the, these, you know, the the Smith-Rose, the Martinelli's of this world, who have got all the potential in the world, perform, and how consistent they can be more than anything. I'm... I'm confident. I'm quietly confident. You know, there's still a few more rumours going around. Obviously, Tillman's is the one that's been going on all summer. That will add some strength there. Obviously, there are quite a few question marks around Thomas Partey at the moment through various rumours, which we won't talk about here. So it's a big player that we probably can't count on. And we've not been able to really count on for any stretch of time since he joined us through injuries and other things now. So, you know, Tillman's very good player. I'm not sure if if Arteta's blowing hot and cold on him, but that would add some depth for sure. How I see this, I'm I'm quite confident this year, and I would I would be upset if we didn't finish fourth. If we didn't finish in the top four, uh, I would count it as a bad season. You know, we've got to make a step up from last year, and it was only let's face it, we bottled it right at the death last year. Is the only reason we didn't hold on to that that fourth because we were in the pole position for it with a couple of games to go so it's time to step up a bit it's time to be mentally stronger and I think with the outgoings and ingoings now this is this is Arteta's team at this point I don't think he has any any go back on the dressing room being split by by the old guard this is his team now and I genuinely think if he doesn't get fourth I think the experiment's done, but I, I'm I'm confident. I think we'll get fourth this year. I think one of the things that we have to imagine is that all of those sides that aren't City and Liverpool are definitely all thinking that they have to do better. They're all in a position where they have to improve this year, whether that's Tottenham with the a full season of Conte and not having the Nuno false start and, and Arsenal obviously looking to get back into the top four where they kind of believe there's their natural kind of position in the the kind of pecking order and then of course you've got Manchester United as well who are just behind them and are also a side that anytime they don't finish in the top four it's a bit of a disaster for them so I think you're going to see quite a fight just outside those top two places I do sort of expect it to be Liverpool and City that are making the run in but I wouldn't be at all surprised if there was a real scrap especially in those games against each other where they were trying to close the gap and yeah I can see Arsenal doing Better. I'm not 100% sure they will make it top four, but I can see why you would think that has to be the goal. Because you know, if somebody does mess up, then there will be a window there. I think they'll. I think they'll get. To, as I say, I think they'll get top four over Chelsea. 
I think I think this the, again the buys have just been really smart. Jesus is a, an absolute absolute no brainer. I think he'll benefit from being the main man rather than kind of part of a rotation cast. He was kind of you know always meant to be Aguero's long term replacement, and then that just never quite happened for whatever reason at City. But he's really hit the ground running in, in preseason. Looks again like that player that that you thought he'd be at City. Zinchenko being able to cover both left back and centre midfield is just fantastic cover it also means that if you want to play Tierney as a centre-back you can do if you want to play Tommy Asso as a centre-back you can do you know they've got Ben White there was some discussion about maybe yeah, Gabriel. I mean, look at how many games Xhaka played at left back <laughs> yeah so that'll definitely be helpful and, and also that Tavares guy who's terrible oh he's but gone yeah. away, is it? he's, he's gone, gone to Marseille online there you go I mean I, I mean for your sake I hope he stays there uh, but but like I think I think you know there was questions about Gabriel maybe going somewhere else, but I don't think he I don't think you know the window's obviously going to be closing soon, so it looks like he's staying, which is which is good news. I think as Maz said, I think defensive midfield is the one issue because if Party is going to be out of action, they really don't have a like for like there, and and that could be that could be tricky against the better teams. I think you know against the majority of the league, they're going to be looking to have 65% possession plus. You know, they're definitely going to be playing lots of very pretty football. You've got Erdegaard, Smith Rowe, Martinelli, Saka all interchanging in those kind of attacking midfield spots. Erdegaard's been named the captain, which I think is is quite interesting. Clearly, they see him as someone that's had a real leadership influence on the dressing room and is he's a, he's a super player. And, you know, there's there's a lot of. There must be a lot of good feeling about having lots of players that have come through the academy or been bought when they were young players like Tierney in and around the first team. The feel good factor for that team is going to be probably through the roof compared to something like Chelsea, which can feel quite mercenary. My only concern with Arsenal, I think, would be that is a very young team still. And you wonder if in the biggest games, are they sometimes going to suffer for their lack of experience? I would say that's probably the one thing you'd say, but I think I think they're comfortably fourth. I think that's always been the question mark over Arsenal um, in the probably in the last ten years is is more about mental fortitude than about ability as such. Um, and obviously they 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 had a chance to go to the Champions League last season and they blew it quite spectacularly. So I, I guess it just it, it remains to be seen whether they learn from that and whether or not the um, the players they brought in and you know in, in Jesus and Zinchenko who obviously as we've alluded to that they're winners they're used to winning and that can only be a good thing for that young squad they've made some smart purchases you know, I think it'll be an interesting again an interesting yeah I think there's loads of interesting little moves around the league this year which just makes it not quite as clear-cut and also we've talked about some teams who we think have recruited well um, and we're down to fifth now, and we haven't we haven't talked about Manchester United, which I think says a lot about where United are. Well, it was pretty much universal whenever I found any prediction. There was nobody that was picking them to go any higher or any lower than sixth. Which what a seems, segue! Mm, wonderful. I've, it was almost like I primed you in advance. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's one of these things where we spoke uh, not too long ago about Man United and how long the road back was going to be for them. And things have started reasonably well in preseason. A lot of the, the noises coming out seem to be positive and seem to be the kind of things that they need. But I think it is just going to be that they start from so far behind the teams that we've already mentioned that unless one of them has a nightmare or you know, things just really, really run against one of them, it is going to be a slower process than that. And it's going to take a couple of years. You know, I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure it's going to oh, be that bad. Changed your mind? What? Just because, be. <laughs> uh, well, look, just because I do think they, I mean, I do think they're, they're going to be fifth is probably the highest they can hope for, unless some of the other sides that have, that have kind of got a, a bit more depth fall off. But they have looked really good in pre-season. And if you look at the first 11 on paper, it doesn't look, doesn't look significantly worse than anybody else's first 11. And just having a, a competent manager for the first time, I mean, really, since Ferguson left, um, might might actually make all the difference for them. And, and I don't like the idea of relying on Martial 
to be your main man particularly but then again if you've got like Rashford Martial Ilanga all kind of you know interchanging positions like that Tevez Rooney Ronaldo front three used to that could that could be really exciting and really fresh and they might take a few people by surprise not getting De Jong is obviously a bit of a blow I know it's it's banter season with United, obviously, because whenever they miss out on a transfer, everyone kind of like howls with laughter. But Lissandro Martinez is a brilliant signing. He's going to play left centre back. Looks like Ten Hag has rehabilitated Maguire. He'll play right centre back. Um, doesn't look like Varane's going to get in the team. They bought themselves. Um, they bought themselves some fullbacks. So, yeah, I guess it's just. I guess you're still relying on Fred a bit more than you'd like to, unless you can convince Barcelona to uh, convince De Jong to give up on Barcelona is really the way round it is, isn't it? Because, you know, Barcelona want him out, but De Jong is just like, no, I don't want to go to United. But yeah, that aside, I, I do think, I do think you'll see definite progress. And I do think that they'll finish above Chelsea. How much is the Ronaldo situation going to hang over the start of their season? I mean, it might, I mean, it probably will do because he's a prima donna, but um if I were Ten Hag, I'd be planning life without him and be secretly really pleased about it. I mean, it's a massive weight. He's a massive burden on that team. And I don't, I don't see how he how it's a good thing. But the, the problem is, who's going to take him? Who's going to, who's going to pay the wages? Who's going to, which of those Champions League clubs are going to pay upwards of 300 grand a week for a 38-year-old? None of them. <laughs> and, that, and, that's the, and that's the problem. And ultimately, the only ones who are prepared to do it are Manchester United, so it's um, it's a slightly embarrassing situation to be in, really, because they obviously they he seems to have caused more problems than he solved last season, despite finishing as their top scorer. And the the De Jong situation, I think, is slightly embarrassing for them as well, because the other teams around them have been doing their business and getting it done, and United just can't seem to get it done. And whether it's because they they still have this sort of slightly inflated idea of what their standing is in 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 Europe and what sort of players they can attract, given that they'll be playing on a Thursday night this season. And I can't see them getting anywhere near. For I, 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 they may struggle to get sixth because there are a few teams who will be below them in this list who could be potential spoilers or mm. sort of launch slight spoiling operations and United are, are there for the taking if any of those teams get a run together. I mean, first of all, I am wondering how many of these teams um, we're going to come across, uh, Neil's actually going to put above Chelsea. Uh, I think they might drop to 14th. <laughs> <at this rate. laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I think United are a big club. Their stature is a big club and that's not dis- going to disappear overnight. But they're a big club that are hurting. They're a big club that are limping. And big clubs have been in that situation before. Big clubs will be in that situation again. However, what must be really, really tough is with this whole De Jong situation. You know, you, you've got Pogba, Pogba going out again. Again, you know, like Ronaldo, he might be a, a player with a, a huge reputation. But I don't think he's really helped the team for whatever reason last year. It just, It's just always seems to be with Pogba when he's at United it it just something's not quite right despite him you know on paper and when he's on form being absolutely uh, one of their elite players but you know he's gone that might help stabilize things De Jong would would be a fantastic replacement the problem is here this for De Jong not to want to come I don't think the fact that an elite European team is spending a season in the Europa League is something that's going to stop an elite player going to that club if the manager can sell the player on the project. And my worry here is if De Jong's former manager, a former manager who took a team that probably should never have got anywhere near a Champions League semi-final with with De Jong as a a key part of that, that team, if he can't sell him on that project at a team like Man United, I don't. That, I don't that's think that's the, the issue. I don't think. I don't think it's selling him on the project that's the issue. 
it's the fact that De Jong, since he was a small child, wanted to play for Barcelona. And he, he's, he, he sees himself as being at his dream club and he doesn't want to go. So I think that's that's the huge. And also Barca owe him a load of money and wages <laughs> as well. So so there's it also that. Else, but, yeah. yeah, there's also that that factor. Um, I mean, let's not forget they've also got Ericsson, which is a, a really fantastic, really fantastic signing. I don't know. I think they're going to surprise a few people. I look at that starting eleven, and right back aside, I don't see any weaknesses. That's so. I don't know. I, I think I think they're going to be a bit better than people think. And you know, already you can see them playing Dutch football. You can see the triangles. You can see the inter, you know the interchanges. I don't know. I think they've done good business. I think Martinez is a great signing. I think the left back uh, they've signed is a is a really good player. Certainly an upgrade on on Tellez. You know, it'd be between you know Shaw and um and and the new lads to play at left back. Rashford, I think, is in for a big redemption campaign. Seems to be fit for the first time in a really long time. Yeah, Martial's a worry, but he is a talented player. So if Ten Hag gets him firing and Rashford firing and Sancho firing, I don't know. You almost forget Sancho was there, don't you? It was that that bit of a first season. So so poorly used, yeah. I, I honestly believe, you know, think about how everyone was excited about that transfer coming in and for the couple of years prior. But, you know, I, I honestly think United season will be around, made or broken, around Harry Maguire getting confidence back. I think if he gets his confidence back, he's going to be a top-class linchpin for that, that team and can kind of lead it from the back. But if he don't, I don't know. I, I, I think that could be a key part for their season. What's their first eleven now? Like, you know, think about it, right? So, De Gea... Maguire, Martinez, Wambasaka. All right, that is an issue. Or Dallow. Dallow's played, I think, more in, in pre-season, though. Shaw, Fred, Eriksson, Fernandez, Sancho, Rashford, Martial. I don't know. That's all right. It's not It's not Champions League, though, is it? It's... I, I, I don't know. A couple of I, positions there, is it? It's like Fred, Fred, is, Fred is an issue... Dallo slash Wambasaka is an issue. Other than that, I, I think it's one of those things where it, the, the first six weeks for Man United might be more important than it is for most other teams because I think if they if they start the season poorly, the fans will get will get restless very quickly. As they always I mean, do. That, that always, defense as a do. whole has a lot of question marks over it, doesn't yeah. it? You know, uh, Martinez is potentially a good player. We know about Maguire's struggles last year Shaw's had a, had a decent couple of years and the question marks at right back and when your other weak link looking at that team is the guy sitting in front of them in Fred if that defence can get it together you know if Maguire and Martinez can strike up a really good central defensive partnership we know De Gea is is a great goalkeeper at his time you know but he, he if the defence is so leaky he's going to be open and if that defense is struggling and friends not clearing stuff up in front of them you know it kind of it kind of a knock-on effect so you know they need some confidence at the back basically and if that can come with a good understanding between Maguire and, and Martinez I think that would be a good starting position for it I think the other big the other the other big thing about this team is it, they weren't just playing badly in the season they gave up there is no fight in that squad well it wasn't for um, that it, manager there wasn't well, there wasn't that manager, and there's a there's an awful lot of players who made up that squad who are still there. Um, so so again, it, it's going to be interesting to see if if Ten Hag can win them around that way. Then you know, it, it, again, interesting season, but I would be I would be surprised to see them in the top sort of quarter of the table this this year. Oof, that's big. I I yeah, I, I think I, they'll be. I, I think I, they'll be. Yeah, I think fifth. Fifth fifth sounds fair to me. Yeah, I think as I'm expecting them to kind of close the gap and reassert a little bit of dominance on the rest of the table, but that's about the best I'll say. The one thing I've noticed is that in the preseason they are improved on last year already. They're still a bit of a weak underbelly, and that's why I'm not sure they'll make huge gains initially. They might take a year or two to really tighten things up and you know receive real like strong kind of progress up the table, but they're already a better outfit, so. 
Uh, I think that's it, the future might be bright, but it might take a little while. They'll um, be good to watch, I think. They'll be better to watch because like, they couldn't I, I, be much more dire, could they? Anyway, I'm going to have to move yeah. us on because we we did 35 minutes just on Man United not that long ago, and we could do it again quite easily. And we're already running up to about an hour for this so far. So just to round out the top eight, then a couple of teams have done well in recent years. The predictions seem to be that they're going to do well again, and that's uh, Leicester just ahead of West Ham. Now the one thing that might get in the way of these teams doing this well is that almost every star player that they have in both teams I see linked with one of the clubs that we've already mentioned every day. I don't know how many of these are actually still going to be there. Uh, Leicester seem to be on the verge of losing more than West Ham. The West Ham lads seem to be a little bit safer. But yeah, if they can hold the, the squads together, there's a chance for yet more success. But big question marks, I guess, about how plausible that is. Leicester, Leicester all day long. Yeah, I agree. Leicester appear to be in a, a fairly understated financial bind. They haven't brought anyone in yet, as far as I can tell. Um, you, know, you mentioned Fafana being linked with Chelsea. Today, there's widespread reports of Newcastle bidding 40 million quid for James Madison, which sounds like they're, they're trying to take advantage of a a slightly iffy financial situation. Tielemans linked with Arsenal as well. So, uh, and also they've been wildly inconsistent for the last couple of years, haven't they? Um, yeah. I mean, they certainly seem to be on the way down, don't they? You know, yeah. a couple of years ago, we'd be looking at them really putting it in the mix, certainly messing with with Spurs and Arsenal uh, in in that in that top four mix, and you know, and, and United. But yeah, they. They certainly seem to be on a downtrend, and Vardy's getting older and older each year. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see great things for 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 Leicester this year. You know, I think yeah. mid-table obscurity for them. I think tenth or eleventh for Leicester, truly. Yeah. Um, I would say like Newcastle and West Ham are going to be the teams that are annoying the bottom the bottom half of the big six. I would say it's 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 West Ham and Newcastle. And I can't really think of anybody else that I think will be able to do that. And West Ham, I think, have made some good signings again. Like Skamaka looks a good, a good player. They haven't really lost anybody. They've kept Rice for another year, which is remarkable, really. And, and maybe um, if they can keep progressing, he might be able, They might be able to sort of Steven Gerrard him um, through the uh, through the next sort of ten years. Yeah, I I, th- I think West Ham will do well again. Um, I think Eddie Howe has done an amazing job at Newcastle, and I think that they will they will be the other team looking for a Europa League spot. I guess we're not quite on Newcastle yet, are we? So we'll no, no. But, uh, I, I, I say, this I has run quite time. long, so yeah, we'll yeah. save that for next time, and we will pause this here and come back tomorrow. Obviously, we've covered the top eight. We'll cover the mid-table and the relegation battle when we do that. So before uh, too much longer, until then, we'll uh, see you soon and take care.